welcome Robin Daly from uh, Yes to Life uk to Perfect Health with Elaine Godley. Thank you for spending time this afternoon talking to us. Absolute pleasure, Elaine. Thanks very much for inviting me. So, um, Yes to Life is a, a cancer charity, and um, a lot of people know a lot of things about it, but uh, many of our listeners are from all over the world and, and won't know what you do here in the UK. So, can you give us a, a brief summary of, of what Yes to Life does? Certainly, yeah. So we're there to support people with cancer in accessing integrative medicine and in understanding it. So integrative medicine, just to be clear, means the widest possible choice of approaches to cancer. So uh, this is everything that conventional medicine has to offer, plus anything else that could help, basically. There's kind of no limits on it. And uh, so half of what we do is educational. It's uh, telling people about integrative medicine and how it works. And the, the rest of it is direct support for people with cancer. So if they come to us, we can get them personalised information about what could be helpful for them, given their own personal circumstances. And we also help them with accessing that as well if they're in financial trouble. So does that mean you offer small grants, for example? Is that the sort of thing that you help with? Yes, yeah, we yeah they are small grants. We have a small grant scheme, but uh, you know they often can make the difference between somebody keeping up a program or not. You know somebody's hard up. Um, we also help people people who need uh, big money because they're going want to go abroad for treatment or something. We can't afford that kind of size of grant, but we can help people to fundraise. So we do that as well. These are called personal fundraising schemes. Brilliant. Okay. So what sort of thing would people go abroad for? Well, uh, you know, integrative medicine doesn't really exist in Britain, sadly. We're way behind. Uh, some other countries much further ahead. And uh, they have uh, integrative clinics, basically, where you can get um, conventional treatments uh, alongside a lot of other approaches, which actually improve its effectiveness, reduce the side effects, um, and keep the body's functions basically going well in the face of something like chemotherapy. So, uh, you know, it's, it's legendary that treatments like chemotherapy completely smash your immune system. Uh, your immune system was the thing that went wrong in the first place that meant you got cancer. So the two concepts together don't work very well. Uh, it doesn't mean that chemotherapy is completely useless. It just means that it makes complete sense to combine it with other things that stop it from harming you. So that's, that's the, uh, the integrative model that you referred to. Yeah, and uh, as I say many clinics offer, for example, they talking of chemotherapy, they would offer low-dose chemotherapy, possibly insulin potentiated as well, which is a way of, another way of making it more targeted, more effective, alongside treatments like hypothermia, which is using heat uh, to make the, uh, will, will actually make the immune system stronger. It will also open up the, the area that's going to be treated to accept more chemotherapy um, and you might have high dose intravenous vitamins at the same time to keep you out you know your, all your uh, systems going well to support you well uh, you know a whole range of things to actually um, keep restore your body systems to their maximum potential and uh, you know people who go through these treatments everybody knows that well not everybody but anybody's got any experience knows that chemotherapy 
is a dreadful thing to go through, apart from the obvious symptoms of losing your hair and that kind of thing. Uh, generally speaking, it's accompanied by horrendous sickness, damage to organs, your gut gets you know, seen off. Um, you know, there's so many bad effects of it. But integrative clinics, very often, they, the patients who go through there come out feeling better than they normally do, which is extraordinary. You know, and the chemotherapy is just as effective. So this is kind of an intelligent 21st century approach to cancer treatment. Do you think that the UK will ever catch up with what's happening overseas? Oh, my God, will it ever catch up? I, sometimes I lose faith. Of course, that's what we're pushing for all the time. Um, you know, I sincerely hope so. I mean, I've got to say that, uh, you know, Yes Life's been running for 13 years, and in that time, we've gone from being rank outsiders, complete bunch of his, uh, crystal-gazing hippies, to now we talk to people at the forefront of the NHS, and they talk the same language. So, you know... Things have changed. It's just unbelievably slow because of the amount of opposition there is to change. Um, and, you know, changing the NHS is like, you know, real turning a super tank around stuff. It's just I've got a, a momentum of its own that's so hard to, to grapple with. Um, but, you know, things have changed in that time. Um, we're in a very different position as a charity now to when we started. So, you know, there's hope. I attended your conference last year. I remember Dr. Rupi Anger and Dr. Chatterjee, um, who are the mm. bright young things of the medical world. I mean, and it's, right. it's very interesting, that whole thing. It's kind of uh, it's sort of come from left field in a certain kind of way. But these people are GPs, um, and they uh, the interesting thing is that they've obviously decided that being a GP is not that great a deal these days alongside a lot of other GPs that realise that. Um, you know, a few minutes with each patient to just dole out the pills that it tells them on the computer um, is not a, uh, a case for job satisfaction. But um, they've actually gone off and got trained in functional medicine in America and come back, fired up about what you can positively do to not just uh, keep people's symptoms at bay, but actually cure them of... Uh, you know, long-term chronic diseases like diabetes. And, um, you know, they're very fired up about this. And interestingly enough, the other thing that's noteworthy, particularly if you, if you look at the two that you mentioned there, Dr. Ruby Orjla and Dr. Rangachasti, there are others as well. Uh, they have Indian heritage, quite obviously. And I think not being so sewn up by the UK outlook, of, you know, what medicine looks like, is a good thing. You know, they've actually come from a background where a wider range of things is more acceptable. You know, Ayurvedic medicine or whatever it is, they've been around for a very long time and they're still in major use, you know. And uh, so I think that has a part to play in the fact that they've gone out to look for something different. I, I think it's an absolute disgrace that we have the, the um, allopathic medical route which has only been around for what 150 years barely and yet yeah. um, they try and say that ayurvedic medicine um german new medicine the emotions um all the natural things which they and a lot of them class as quackery that's been around for years and years and is proven although not by scientific research it's proven by people like me who are walking around living examples um yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a down blasted cheek I think but there we are we have what we have and uh, as you say it's, it's like trying to turn a super tanker and we're not it's, I don't think it's going to happen in my lifetime 
Mm, well, all right. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm hopeful. The thing that's changing, uh, the, the big number that's changed, you know, in our lifetime, is that we as a public didn't have a voice at all a, little, a few years back, literally. Medicine was carved up between three forces. There was the government, there was the medics, and then there was the business, the pharmaceuticals. And they basically worked out what we were going to get. You know, this is proletariat kind of style medicine. This is what you'll get, you know. And um, so they just carved it up between them. And, of course, the most forceful amongst those three was business. They just showered the other two with money uh, and made sure that everything stayed on the marketing plan. So what have we got at the other end? Well, we've got drugs. Unsurprisingly, very expensive ones, largely in cancer, and uh, not that effective, you know. So. Um, that's how it used to be. But since then, of course, the public has got a voice at last. We have something which is actually, uh, you know, it's moved things in a more democratic direction that we have, you know, we've got access to the internet and we have a voice. So, you know, a few years back, Diabetes UK couldn't have happened. Diabetes UK, thousands of people getting on there, learning how to do a ketogenic diet, fixing their, their diabetes in two or three weeks, uh, you know, just proving that the whole nonsense of one drug in the first year, another one in the second year, another one in the third year, in order to keep the side effects at bay and never, ever getting well, that is just a, a gravy train for the pharmaceutical industry. And and it's one in, in lots of um, medical conditions, not just cancer and diabetes, as you mentioned, but lots of medical conditions. It's a case of follow the money, which is which is, is life, isn't it? I mean, at the end of the day, money makes the world go round. But it, with the social media yeah. that we have now, I think that's that's a big um, uh, improvement. Uh, you know, we, we have a voice now and we have uh, the ability, the, the, the opportunity to go viral on things and people power is, is turning uh, the tanker, isn't it? Well, an awful lot of people, uh, rather than going to their doctor for advice, are just telling each other what to do. They're yeah. actually bypassing the whole health service because it just doesn't suit them. And, uh, well, that's also good because it gives them another opportunity, you know, which does suit them. And, uh, you know, it's not ideal because it would be much better the health service actually did the job properly. But, as you say, it follows the money. The health service is supposed to be free and all the rest of it sounds all very altruistic, but it's entirely done for profit. That's the truth. Yes. You know, there's one or two things in there that aren't for profit, but nearly everything is for profit. And if you bring anything along that's too cheap, it won't be done. You could be sure it'll be ignored. Absolutely. You know, and a prime example of that in cancer is photodynamic therapy. Photodynamic therapy is over 100 years old. Uh, it's got, you know, trials that show it works with some cancers. It actually works with any solid tumour. Uh, it's cheap, it's effective, it's non-toxic, you can do it as many times as you need to. And uh, I was speaking to uh, one of the, the world's leaders in this field who um, is basically, he's pretty much given up on this country because there's no interest. He, in third world countries, this is like, you know, brilliant. You, know, you can go out there, you can set up a clinic for about £8,000 and each person can be treated for £200. Really? Now you can be sure. You can be quite sure the NHS will never be interested in a treatment like that. And, and what is photodynamic therapy? Photodynamic therapy, it's, I say it's been around 100 years, it uses light, basically, and it matches up a, a drug, which it can be pretty well non-toxic, 
with a particular wavelength, a wavelength of light. And you basically uh, give the drug uh, in the area that you want to treat. It's particularly taken up uh, by, preferably by cancer cells. They, they will take up more than other cells. You expose it to some laser light at the right frequency, and uh, that produces free radicals that kill the cells it's in. So it's, it's a great treatment in that it's just remarkably simple. It, it's not a, it, it's, it's a cell kill treatment, which means that it has its limitations. You know, it doesn't do anything for your immune system, anything like that. Well, no, that's not true. It even does something for your immune system, uh, actually killing the cancer in your body rather than cutting it out. Uh, the recent reports say that this actually generates um, an immune response. So it even does that, but nonetheless, you probably wouldn't want to do just photodynamic therapy. If you're thinking integrative, you do a lot of other things as well. But if you want to do something that really knocks your cancer, well, it's a great treatment. You've just got to be able to get a laser optic fiber to the site. So can Yes to Life um, explain to people, or direct people, signpost, and whatever the term, term you use, can Yes to Life direct people where to get this treatment from? We can. I mean, there's, there's less and less of it in this country. Literally, you know, 10 years ago, it was better. <laughs> you know, we really need, we could send people down the road to get it, but it's just fizzled out, you know, literally. Even though I had a cancer charity that was dedicated to driving it, it's still got another one, actually, that's set up since, but that one fizzled out. Uh, but, you know, there's still people are absolutely committed to driving it forward. But the opposition to anything so effective and cheap is just enormous, you know. Sorry, we don't do that. We do chemotherapy, surgery, radiotherapy. You know, that's it. So that still is available in the UK, but on a limited basis. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yes, that's it. Yeah. So um, but, yeah. The, the, the charity has a directory on the website. Um, yeah. Tell us about um, how people can access that directory and, what, and what's in it. Okay, well, this is a, a, an attempt to pull together as much good information as possible about places where you can access uh, treatment. So it's uh, it's got three sides to do. Like it's uh, it's got all the um, the practitioners who are at work, or the clinics, and then it's also got the uh, the treatments themselves. And so you can you can go on there and you can search for a particular kind of treatment uh, or you can search for a particular practitioner uh, and you can do it by location as well. So you can also search in, you know, near to you, basically, um, in, a, in a part of Britain. It's, it's kind of UK-centric in that it's, uh, it's got much more information about what's available in the UK than in many other parts of the world, but it's still actually international because, you know, people do travel from the UK to a lot of countries. And uh, so, you know, we, we attempt to keep it up to date internationally as well. Okay, that's, the, that's brilliant. So that's a resource that people can access via the internet, which is uh, yestolife.org.uk. Correct. And it's called the Life Directory, it's called. Okay, fabulous. So how did you, how did you create, because you're the founder and the chairman uh, Robin of Yes to Life, and you've mentioned it's yeah. been going for 13 years. So, so what happened to 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 uh, get you into this position? Well, uh, I think a lot of charities start off just through one person's personal experience, make them think, "Oh my God, we've got to do something about this." And that was the, the case for me. Um, I had a daughter called Brownie who had cancer three times in her short life, 
and uh, so we spent an awful lot of time in hospitals in various places. She was first diagnosed with cancer when she was nine, and um, again when she was 13, and again when she was 22. And uh, it, it was quite a story of uh, in a huge learning curve for us, obviously. And um, when we started out, when she was nine, I mean, we were always the kind of people to look outside the box. You know, we were always looking for everything we could to help her. But when she was nine, there was no internet and we didn't even have a mobile phone. So um, it was pretty hard, basically. And same was true when she was 13. So we found stuff to do, but it was limited. You know, well, I, I now know what was out there that we didn't know about. Because <laughs> you know, uh, things have changed from that point of view. Anyway, come, she's 22 years old and she gets re-diagnosed again. Uh, the internet has arrived and it's like well, five billion results for alternative cancer treatment, whatever it is. Massive, you know. And uh, I, so I knew that uh, orthodox treatment wasn't going to have anything much on offer for her at this point because she was already late stage. So I started doing this job of looking on the internet and I was working, uh, I was sleeping for two and a half hours a day and uh, I was just doing it non-stop. And, you know, it was just website after website with list after list after list of treatments. You had to sort of correlate them, see that one, that one's rubbish, da 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 You know, and then it, it, when you find something that looks interesting, you have to work out whether it's relevant, whether you can get it, whether you can afford it, whether it's in South America, who's doing it. There's so, and, you know, it's just unthinkably huge task. And you're trying to learn about cancer at the same time, which is just a bit complex. So, um it was fundamentally is not a tenable thing to do, especially if you happen to be the person with cancer. The chances of you really coming up with some good stuff are pretty slim. So it was very obvious to us then that basically people need help with this. They need directing to the good stuff quickly. So you know, in terms of what we were setting out to do, that was it really. We we're trying to help people to get good information as soon as possible to help them. And um, that's what Yes Alive did from the outset. That's what we're still doing. And um, so yeah, we, we came up with the idea while Bryony was still alive. Uh, she died very shortly afterwards, unfortunately. Um, quite suddenly, you know, she had lung failure because she had secondaries in her lungs. And uh, we were left with some money, which we'd raised for her treatment. And so we used that to set up Yes Alive, and off we went from there. So that was, she died in... 2014 and the beginning of 2015 we were off with Yesla. Uh, 2004, 2005. Uh, 2004, yeah. five, just a lot of, eight, a decade amongst friends. Yeah. <coughs> yes. Yeah, gosh, okay. So um, you have a team of volunteers that help. I know you have the central um, office with a small, very small team there um, led by Sue de Césaire and um, you have a, a team of volunteers. What, what, how, how do the volunteers help the charity? Okay, well, uh, for, right at the start, I was the helpline, and uh, that carried on for a little while, but eventually, of course, we needed some people, more people to do this stuff. And so we set up a training scheme, and we train people to be helpline operators. The way it operates is that people work from their own homes. We don't have, of course, a call centre with everybody with the headsets on and all that. Um, people work from home, and when they finish the training, they, they set off and they have a, a mentor for the first period until they're sort of bedded in and used to it. But they work 
um, they tell us how much they're able to give in terms of time. And, you know, people will do one day a week, say. And uh, our call centre works on the principle that uh, we have no directly answered calls. You call in, you leave a message, basically, and you'll get a call back, usually within an hour or two. So, um, you know, if you're on the helpline that day, Tuesday, any calls that come in from midnight to midnight, they're yours. They come into the system as a recording and you listen to recording. And when you're ready, you settle down and you do your calls for the day. And uh, that might range from, you know, three calls that take five minutes to, uh, you know, several calls, one or two of which could be 45 minutes. So it's quite variable what, what comes in. But um, some people need to talk, you know, that. Just the talking is one of the biggest, most important things is people have the opportunity to talk to somebody who doesn't think they're completely nuts because they want to do something that isn't just chemotherapy, surgery or radiotherapy. It's, uh, as a volunteer, I find it very rewarding. Um, on my, my volunteer days, I find that sometimes people come on the phone, they're crying their eyes out because they've just been dismissed by a doctor to go home and die got their affairs in order or they're going to you know got a few weeks or whatever so they come on the phone in tears and they they often end up in tears but tears of hope and joy to know that there are alternatives so you know that there's other things that they can do and it's not just curtains for them so it is a very rewarding um uh, volunteer position and you're always on the lookout for more volunteers aren't you robin definitely if anybody is interested they should definitely get in touch with the charity yeah Marvellous. Okay, I'll give give the number at the end for people to uh, to call into. Um, so, um, what's what's next on the what's on the horizon then for Yesterlife? Where where are you? Is it more of the same? Are there more things coming on? What, what what's happening? Um, well, in some ways, it's more of the same, but a lot more of the same because we've uh, we've been yeah we know what we're doing in terms of what we're delivering. We've been delivering it steadily for years. Um, and that's both in terms of education and in terms of personal support. Um, in a way, we're just scratching the surface. Um, it's growing all the time, but we do want to push it much more now. It's, it's a time when the public are much more aware of the fact that there are other things going on outside of conventional medicine. Uh, they're much more open to the ideas of doing something outside conventional medicine. Um, you know, the, typically... The, the older you are, the less open you are to doing anything other than what the doctor tells you. That's not always the case, but that's typically so. And the younger people really are like, well, okay, what you got? You know, they're just ready to go in terms of looking at whatever it is. So uh, we really want to push the agenda forward. We've got some quite big plans, but they're sort of under wraps at the moment. I'm not going to tell you about them right now, but we do want to grow our offering quite considerably and to, you know, get our head above the parapet a lot more. Um, the education programme of ours has been growing steadily every year. Um, our annual conference has become quite a, kind of a fixture in the calendar. Um, I think we doubled the numbers last year who came to it. Um, we've got some marvellous people who are now prepared to talk for us on our behalf, who, yeah, from the NHS, would you believe it, which is absolutely brilliant because you know in the past everybody who came as a speaker for us would have been some form of alternative practitioner yes you know? and that's not to say they're not fantastic because they are there's all sorts of great people but it's so heartening to have some people from the health service who are prepared to speak out about doing more than just irregular treatment so anyway 
we're, we're going to, uh, the kind of brand that we put on the last year's com uh, conference was starting the conversation. That means a conversation between orthodox medicine and everybody else who's trying to help people with cancer. And we're going to push that another step further this year. That that's a good direction we feel, and we want that's what we want to see a lot more of. So uh, that's where we're going to be going. And um, where is the conference this year, and when is it? It's in London. It's on December the first, and uh, I don't I haven't got the venue on the top of my head, but um, it, of course it'll be advertised widely very soon. Okay, that's that's brilliant. So. Um, and the other thing that I know is happening, because I started it actually today, um, you have the first Wigwam uh, meeting that was held in Nottingham today. So um, Wigwam, uh, Wigwam is a brand um, under your Yes to Life um, charity, and it's, it's for exactly what you've been describing in this interview. So it's for helping people who want signposting for integrative health and well-being um, or also people who who support those so you know friends and family are, are welcome as well and um, and and also to, to 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 open people's eyes as to how not to get cancer in the first place so it's a sort of multifaceted group um, and I love the name wigwam it's, it's great <laughs> yeah well the, the idea is to have uh, wigwams all over the country uh, this is a small grouping to so allow people to have a local place where they go and find people who are like-minded thinking like they are and who will want to share ideas who want to support each other uh, and where you can go and there will be speakers or whatever you know the demonstrations of things all sorts of ways of learning so just little basic little hubs uh, you know, all around the country is the idea. So, well done for being number one. I hope there are going to be many more to follow. Yes, absolutely. I'm sure they will do. Um, okay, so I asked um, guests on the interview to um, suggest two songs, and your two songs, um, Stevie Wonder, You Are the Sunshine of My Life. So, who, who what's inspired you to uh, suggest that song? Well, if there's anybody who gets the title of, uh, uh, for doing the kind of uh, theme tune in my life, it has to be Stevie Wonder. I've listened to him consistently most of my years. And, uh, you know, I could, have, uh, I could have chosen any one of dozens and dozens of songs of his, which I absolutely love to death, you know. But I chose that one because it was the first one. I, I already, when I was a teenager, Stevie Wonder was around doing regular Tamil Motown stuff. But... I don't know when it was, about 22 or something, I went to supper with somebody and they put this album on and the first track, You're the Sunshine of My Life, and it's just like, what is that? You know, I just and rushed out to buy it the next day and uh, been buying them ever since. So that was the one that kind of started me on being, yeah, completely bold over buying. Marvellous. And memories of your youth? Yeah, those as well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And the other song you've chosen is uh, Joni Mitchell, uh, All I Want. Yeah, well, Joni Mitchell is another person. I mean, these are both real oldies I've chosen here. But anyway, um, she's enormously creative woman. I, just could, I have huge respect for her creativity in so many ways. You know, she just blasted onto the scene with a completely original way of singing, original songs, fantastic lyrics. They're ex sort of effervescent songs. You know, they're just bursting with life. And uh, that album, Blue, one of her classics. I still really love it. And again, this is the first track, which just opens with a band. She's off, you know, and I, yeah, really great. 
Marvellous. Okay, well, those songs will be played after this interview. Thank you so much, Robin Daly of Yes to Life, to uh, uh, spend time with us this afternoon. And uh, we look forward to watching how the wigwams are growing around the country and um, to help and share the conference on December the 1st this year. So the website Thank you very much. is www.yestolife.org.uk. Three words, yestolife.org.uk. Thank you very much, Robin. Thank you. Absolutely my pleasure.